Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Talk Together. This is our weekly show where we get to talk to some of the amazing people that are part of the TNT RPG community. I knew what I was saying there, but the words just came out in a different way. Anyway, I'm Josh, and I shall be your host for this evening. As you can see, how these talk shows normally go is there's normally more than one person here. And as you can see, I am joined by somebody very amazing. I'm not going to take away the opportunity for them to introduce themselves, though. So please introduce yourself. <laughs> Hello, friends. I am Patch from the Quest Junkies channel. Uh, happy to be here to talk some stuff and maybe roll some dice. We are going to chit chat. We're going to roll dice. We're going to do everything you would expect to see on one of our streams. Amazing. It'll I'm here fun. for it. Yeah. Excellent. Anyway, before we continue, we have some amazing sponsors and supporters that we must thank. Uh, these are Hero Forge, Ultra Pro, Phoenix Dice, Alchemy RPG, Idle Champions, Neverwinter, Elderwood Academy, and D&D Beyond. We also have a great group of audience members known as the D20 Club. If you'd like to become a member, you can join from as little as one of your local currency. For some reason, Tom is trying to get people to send us goats. If you want to send a goat, then sure. But I don't know where they're going to go, but yeah. Thanks, Tom. I mean, it's, got to, it's got to be a form of currency somewhere. I'm sure. Probably somewhere <laughs> with mountains, I reckon. <laughs> if you can't join us live, you can always listen on your favourite podcasting app or on YouTube by searching Roll Together RPG. And you can also find us on most, I have to say most now because there's so many of them, but on most social medias by searching Roll Together RPG. Now, for those of you that don't know, the way that this is going to work is we are going to have a chat with Patch and we are going to ask some questions. Those questions are going to be determined by the role of a D20. I have one, I believe Patch has one as well, so I think it would be quite fun to take it in turns rolling uh, and asking questions to see how what sort of information we can get out but the show will last for about 60 minutes unless we go on a tangent for those of you who have watched the show with me and before i tend to go on a little bit of a tangent like i'm about to now by not rolling a dice and asking you patch patch can you please tell us a little bit more about quest junkies and what shows you are currently streaming i certainly can so quest junkies uh, is a ttrpg uh, actual play channel on the good old twitchiverse we stream three times a week mondays wednesdays and fridays uh usually at the same time slot which is uh 9 p.m british standard time 4 p.m eastern i think i've got that right time zones continue to be my bbeg personally um mondays we stream uh, our homebrew show the rodania chronicles which is a show i've been running for a few years now into its third campaign currently. Wednesdays is our Wildmount Chronicles, featuring uh, me trying not to destroy uh, the already established canon of, of one Matthew Mercer. And most recently, every Friday, we now run Stradalicious, which is our gender-bent Curse of Strad nightmare, which, um, fun fact, I actually play in rather than DM, so it's it's a whole different ballgame on Fridays. But that's what we do. We also run various one-shots throughout the year. We do charity events um, and just have a lot of fun telling some cool stories, really. It's it's pretty safe to say that you are one of the few people 
that I've spoken to at least that isn't stuck in the forever DM chair. You do get the option to play, don't you? <laughs> I do. I'm very lucky because it. I was forever DM for a little while, and then I met the ever wonderful Phoenix Iwaki, who is my personal favorite DM in the world. Um, truly remarkable. You should check him out if you haven't already. Um, I've had so many opportunities to go and play on his wonderful channel, and then now recently we've expanded the Question Keys team, which has allowed me to take a step back from the DMC and into that player role, which is just so much fun and looking forward to doing it more and more. It's fantastic. Yes, Phoenix, Phoenix Wacky is a very, very good person. I've gone I've gone to him for a lot of advice in the past and he's always willing to chat and help those people, help anybody within the community, really. So big love 100%. to big jobs. Yeah, big love to Phoenix. Anyway. Hell yeah. Shall we roll the dice? I shall. Sure. Yes. I'll roll first. I've got a dice tray here. Um, for those of you who watched the last talk together that I hosted, I actually have a dice this time. It was a digital <laughs> dice last time, and I got a little bit scolded for it by uh, people. So roll that dice. Oh, one thing that we say when we roll the dice is roll that dice. You can say it if you want to. You don't have to. But gotcha. I rolled a five. A five. Ooh, now, how do you feel about cosplay? I feel very strongly about cosplay in many different ways. Um, I am actually, fun fact, um, London MCM is coming up uh, in October here in the UK, and it will be the first time I do cosplay. So that's going to be quite an exciting experience for me. It's something I've always wanted to do, but it's time consuming. It's expensive, um, which is most of my life falls into those two categories already so adding something else was always terrifying but uh, no we're going to do it this time and it's going to be fun any little tips or no uh what's the word i'm looking for any um spoilers as to what you might be cosplaying as well i guess i could offer a little sneak peek that's um, the word i was looking for thank you <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's well established that that particular week, uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, critical role things happening in the UK. Yeah. And it might be involving a certain character from a certain campaign from a certain channel by the name of Critical Role. Maybe. It's a little sneak peek. I have I have an idea in my head. I will not say now, though, because it's because I don't want to spoil it for other people. But I will ask you once we finished. Sorry, audience. <laughs> I'm hoping to go to Comic Con this year. Maybe hoping to be able to be there. I used to go years ago, but mm. it's the first time I've ever been. So I'm excited and terrified all at once. It's going to be quite an experience. Um, but yeah, can't wait. That's going to be good. So we are positive on cosplays, which is good. We always like, it's what we like to hear. Now, let's roll again. Would you like to roll this time? I certainly will. Roll that dice. Roll that dice would be that helpful. That is a well. two. Two. Ooh. <laughs> what spell or ability would you give yourself in real life? Let's, let's toss it up a bit. Choose a spell and an ability. A spell and an ability. Okay, uh, ability, second wind, because everyone needs a second wind, especially, you know, I, I work in healthcare for the NHS in the UK, so I work long days. 
and you get like halfway through your week, you really need that second win. So that would absolutely 100% be the ability. Um, in terms of a spell, I think this is potentially something that most people, if not everyone, would probably agree with under the right context. Gift of Gab. Because we've all been in that situation where you say something, you think, I shouldn't have said that. I should not have said that. And yeah, having Gift of Gab, you can just completely free up all your anxiety in that moment. It's actually, that's, I've not heard anybody give that answer before. So it's nice and refreshing to hear. I'm going to go look up what Gift of Gab is now because I think it's the first time I've actually heard the spell. <laughs> so basically, Gift of Gab, anything that you've just said in the last six seconds didn't happen. You undo it. It's like having control and Z in real life. <laughs> I think it is well known in a offline camp, in a off-stream campaign that I play in, that I play the Bard. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot and I put my foot in it. An awful lot. So that would be a very handy spell to have. Sounds like you need Gift of Gab. I believe Bards can have it, so... Well, I might have to uh, speak to my DM about... Because uh, I've just leveled up, so I might just have to quickly switch some of my spells around. On Sounds that like note, let's roll again. I right. roll this time. That is a seven. We're not rolling very high. Ooh, seven. Mm, okay, now this one. Is there a moment in a TTRPG that has impacted your life out of game? It's a good question. There's, I'd say there's a lot really. I mean, as a as a DM running weekly sessions, you get very invested in your own storytelling. So it's 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 difficult to say to not say that every session, every moment of every session does not impact you in some way. Um, but to to narrow it down to a very specific thing, um, a little series called uh, Exandria Unlimited Calamity came out. I think last year or the year before that completely changed my perspective on not just like DD &D, but just storytelling in general uh i've never been so uh emotionally wrecked by a series that's only four sessions and tells such an incredible story um I, I could spend hours gushing about that series um, quite easily. But yeah, after that, I was determined to really like make some waves with Quest Junkies and it inspired a little six part miniseries that I did that was very heavily inspired by Calamity. And uh, yeah, I ended up getting getting some of my own little Calamity moments in there as well. So I would absolutely say that, I think. That sounds brilliant. <clears throat> I haven't gotten around to fully watching all of Calamity yet. It's um, it's, it's one of those on the watch list. I've watched yeah. heart, almost almost at the end of the first episode, which is really bad for me because I used to keep up with Critical Role. <laughs> but it's just it's just so much of it at the minute. So um, but it is yeah. It's a good it's a good introductory one as well for people that are not familiar with Critical Role because it is you're able to enjoy it just as much with like no context or anything they've done before it works as a standalone story so i you know if people say to me like oh hey i want to get into critical role what would you recommend like that's the first thing because yeah. it is very standalone and it sets the precedent for like what their production value is like what the uh the skill set of the cast of characters is like that they have 
um, you know, kind of like just what is like your top tier maximum production value TTRPG stream look like? Yeah, that's in my head how it is. Yeah, no, that makes makes perfect sense. Yeah, and it's just critical roles on a whole nother level to to everything and the way the leaps and bounds that they've come on in more so in recent years is just oh chef's kiss absolutely very good now would you like to roll the next question i certainly shall roll that dice we get a 19 dice see somebody has to roll high i was about to say we've both got the dm <laughs> curse absolutely always rolling low if you could go back and change an in-game decision what would it be that's a fascinating question because i think if i was to be brutally honest i don't think i would mm -hmm. um and we'll probably touch upon this a little later on but i often find certainly just from my experience of the games that i've run and the games that i've played in that even when there's been like sessions where things have gone badly or you know there's been like tragic moments and things where you think oh i should have done this instead i wouldn't change a thing because nobody wants to play the perfect game because mistakes make moments and moments last forever um and some of my like you know sort of heart most heartfelt favorite moments of being a player or being a dm have been down to where things have not gone right and how to deal with it when things really do go wrong um so i genuinely don't think i would yeah no i agree with you on that definitely right i shall roll again okay we've had that one already so i'm gonna roll it again <laughs> roll that dice roll that dice it's a 16. if you could make yourself in DD, what would you be let's go for <laughs> class race uh so uh fun behind the scenes factor question keys as a bit of a team bonding exercise um one evening also involving a little bit of alcohol i think um <laughs> we uh some of us got together on a call and we opened up D, D beyond and we made character sheets for us in real life um and it was great because we kind of we we also had like we gave each other input on what we thought and uh, I believe I ended up with a changeling bard, um, which is interesting. Uh, I've only played a bard once, and it was for a very limited amount of time because that campaign ended in a TPK. <laughs> uh, shout out to Phoenix Awaki once again. Um, <laughs> but because uh, before my foray into TTRPGs and D&D, I spent 20, 25 years of my life as a musician. So music's always been my thing up until now and i guess i yeah i'm a real life bard that's what i do i i sing i play music i attempt to seduce people and fail for the most part um happily engaged at the moment which is amazing um someone 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 had to settle for me eventually <laughs> your bardic inspiration work it did it did and i think the the changeling aspect came from it that was like uh 
input from the other players uh, because they were sort of saying, you know, it's because you're the DM and you inhabit all these different NPCs. It's like you're a changeling and you phase between them all the time. It's like, that's, that's kind of cool. Let's go with that. That's actually a very cool reason. I was going to ask what's the reason behind the changing, but yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Right. Would you like to roll again? Absolutely. We're roll flying through the these. Uh, that's we've had that one again. Roll the dice. Uh, nine. Nine. Have we had? No, I don't think we've had nine. Have we? Ah, this is a very good. I think this one is a very good question especially coming from somebody who runs their own channel. Mm. What would you say to a new player? Okay, so when I have new players come to the table, usually even returning players, I tend to start with the same question every time, which is what kind of story do you want to tell? Because... As a DM, from my perspective, the thing I'm most interested in is allowing players that come in to tell the stories that they want to tell. Whether it be, you know, I you know, I get various different answers. Some people are like, oh well, I I've always wanted to try this kind of character with this kind of background. Or I might get people saying, like, well, actually, I want to do something I've not done before and something I know I'm not good at because I want to challenge myself. That's something I do usually anytime i have to create a character to play i make it something i've not done before and something i know is going to be difficult especially for role play because it's a way of building uh my skill set um as a role player um also want to be voice actor so that's always useful um but in terms of new player like first time players i focus less on mechanics and i will just be i'm just interested in what kind of what kind of story do you want to tell what kind of character makes sense to you here's you know here's the options what strikes out to you as you know the right one for you what feels good what feels interesting what feels challenging um yeah pretty much all of that Sounds good. I like the sound of that. Is it, is it definitely interesting when you do get new new players come to the table? Are you are you the sort of DM? Do you do you like it when people give you big backstories? Uh, do you say no? Don't give me two big backstories. To try and limit it, or do you take a variety of different types of backstories? Uh, on the whole, I am happy either way. So, because I've always seen it as like. Giving a lot of people say, you know, if you if you give a character a blank blank page for a backstory and allow the DM to, you know, go wild with it, it's a gift, which is true in a lot of ways, and you can have fun with that. But I do love it when a player comes to me like, here's 10 pages of backstory, because that spawns so many ideas, but it also gives you an insight into again, what kind of story they clearly want to tell. And it it helps you focus all those ideas that you have onto how do how do I appeal to this character? What what experiences does this character need in a story? Um, so while I don't mind either way, I do love reading through pages and pages of backstory because it just yeah you know, I, I tend to hyperfixate on things. Yeah, you know, ADHD 
Um, um, so anytime I have like a chunky backstory to read, I will spend hours and hours going through it over and over again. I'll make tons of notes and then I'll be like, okay, here's, here's what I got. And I'll provide like twice as much <laughs> feedback. <laughs> That's it's cool. great. I love, I love that. I love that. I love when, um, I love when DMs take backstories and, uh, incorporate them into their games. One thing that I know that I do do is um, when I'm prepping for a campaign, I tend to not come up with a lot of the story until I have everyone's backstories in. Because like you say, I, I love to thread their backstories in mm. so that like at least every character gets at least one arc, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's, that's, that's the way you have to do it. You don't want anyone to be left out. No. And it gives them a sense of accomplishment once they finish that arc. Unless you're me and you die halfway through the arc, uh, then... I, I, I know from experience. <laughs> and I'm the only one that did die halfway through their story arc, so it's a bit eh. But then the DM made up for it. But on that very sad note, I'm going to roll. <laughs> that is, I think, that is... We've had that one. We're getting to the point now where we've had a lot of these questions. I rolled 15. <laughs> so, 15. where do you start when you're making a character? Okay, I kind of touched upon this uh, a little earlier, but my my first instinct is always to say, what's going to be difficult? What, what am I going to find frustrating to try and, and, and role play? Um, for an example, we just started our Stradalicious campaign. Um, so typically when I've made characters before, I tend to be the comic relief. Um, I tend to be, uh, like, like, you know, for example, one of my current characters is very like sassy yet classy, um, leader of the group, um, uh, inspiring, um, bit of a pain in the backside. Uh, well, a lot of a pain in the backside, uh, much of the time and doesn't know when to shut her mouth. So making a character for Stradalicious, I decided that I wanted to play a character that is none of those things. Someone who doesn't want to lead anything, doesn't want to be the center of attention, does not want to be in a band of adventurers. They have their own little, little vendetta they've got against the world. Um, and, you know, we're... We're coming up to our third episode now, and already, like, I am discovering new things about myself. Just, just, just being in this this seat of this person, uh, which is so fulfilling, um, and I've learned so much in two episodes already. So, yeah, I I I actively look to trip myself up, in a manner of speaking. <laughs> so, I don't know if you noticed, but I was putting in a funny face while you were putting in a few funny faces when you were going on about saying about being sassy and being the leader and all that. And what I'm going to say to that is, so basically, you were playing the bard, but without being the bard. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's just, it's I just was in there subconsciously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but sorry, this just got me on there. I, a lot of people know that there. there's a few people that will know that I am one of those people that will come up with characters 
more like the class designs. I'll come up with the character class and be like, oh, this would be a cool combination of multi-classes and I'll have like 20 odd characters on D&D Beyond that don't have names. They're just called Cleric Fighter or Paladin Barbarian or something like that. Mm-hmm. I do that a lot just for fun and I make a lot of characters on Hero Forge and all that sort of stuff because that gives me a visual. The bit where I actually come into creating the characters is when I get the idea in my head for a character. So, say for example, and now I'm trying to think of an example, a hunter. I'd like to play somebody who is hunting a creature and has been hunting this creature for a particularly long time because this creature did this, this, this or this in this person's backstory. And then when I come up with the backstory, that's when I'll then normally completely ignore the 20 odd character sheets i've got on dd beyond to just make a new one yep and then i do the hero forge <laughs> to visualize it i can relate with that so much yeah <laughs> would you like to roll the next question absolutely roll the dice natural roll one. dice natural one. Oh, that's not good is it what is your most epic character moment now I can ask you this because you've been a, ca- a player. That is true. Most epic character moment. There's been a lot, um, but there was one session that I played in on a Phoenix Iwaki stream, um, which was essentially it was a non-canon episode of the Barovia and Beyond campaign uh, that Phoenix was running, and it was. I can't even remember how it all came about, but it was the subtitle for the session was Romancing the Tarask, um, which already sets quite a precedent just in that name. Um, but basically, the 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 very underleveled group were having to fight a Tarask, and there was only three of them. So Phoenix came to me, the wonderful soul that he is, and said, I hear that you're free. We've got this session. They're fighting a Tarask. Make me a level 20 character. Give them as many magical items as you want. Whatever you want to play, just keep them alive. So I did. <laughs> so I made a um, a female assassin. Um, it was, uh, in fact, let me bring up the sheet. Let me give you 100% concrete factual information. Uh Lady Triplex was her name. It was pronounced Triplex, but it was T-R-I-P-L-E-E-X-E. Um, <laughs> right. And let's have a look here. So she's level 20, and she is a variant human gunslinger fighter. I can see where this is going. <laughs> so, and, you know, lots lots of great things, like uh, an armor class of 22, uh, plus 17 to initiative, um passive perception of 25 um oh. absolutely broken as all the nine hells character um but <laughs> basically um lady triplex got swallowed by the tarask and it was intentional because it meant that i could do my four attacks um critting on some of them then activate an action surge to get another round of attacks and I believe also using a hasted action for another attack, which meant I did nine attacks in one round and dealt over 200 damage and got spit out. So 
it was <laughs> and it was like spending the the 10 minutes trying to roll the dice and then giving up and doing it virtually because <laughs> um but just being able being being given the room to describe how that looked was so fun and uh <laughs> everyone was in stitches and the chat was going mad um yeah that was quite epic especially because the rest of the encounter i actually rolled terribly <laughs> so so you basically no mercyed percyed the tarasque i'm hoping kind you, of, yeah. you should you'll get that reference hopefully people oh, in the chat will get that reference 100 percent. yeah now that i think about it i kind of just made female percy um kind of so yeah it's a good way of putting it <laughs> Now, I'm going to do something a little bit off script, and I'm now going to flip that question on its head and ask you, what is your most epic character moment from the characters in your games? From one of the characters in your games, or two or three, you can pick many as you want. There's been a lot. I am blessed with some incredibly wonderful players, um who have the most incredible role play there's so many to mention um I, do you know, I will i will try to give you one for each of the three campaigns that we ran uh to keep it fair across the uh different player teams so uh for our monday night campaign the radania chronicles um we let's think here we had um a session where we'd we'd introduced a mechanic which we don't use anymore which was uh something we called the wheel of chaos um which is you know the little uh stream widget thing where you spin a wheel to see what happens and the idea was anytime there was a subscription a gift subscription or a resubscription the person could nominate a player to get a spin of the wheel and something would happen they might get a a maxed out stat they might get a wild magic surge uh they might get a free long rest the first time we implemented this on this monday night uh someone came in and gave about 20 odd gift subs and now we should have capped it but we didn't so um half the players got shrunk down to tiny um some of them got like maxed out stats for some things and then like we were just like okay this is gonna this is gonna be fine it's a shopping episode and then uh there was a wild magic surge and it spawned a dragon so they had to fight a dragon and i believe at the time they were level five so i was thinking oh no the community's tbk'ders <laughs> what are we gonna do um two of the players went down ironically the two healers of the group um but they persevered they pulled through they slayed the dragon um and it was so good that one of the players actually turned it into an animatic um which oh, we cool. put on all, on all our social medias and it's absolutely fantastic um one of the most stressful experiences I've had at the table, but also some of the most fun. Um, but we do not have the mechanic anymore because once is enough. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I've, I've been part of a channel before where we started off with the Wheel of Chaos, a, a type of Wheel of Chaos. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the roles on it was it put everybody within five miles to sleep. 
So the entire city we were in was asleep. That's amazing. That we're like, no, we'll get rid of that because it kept happening, and we couldn't actually tell any story because we just kept having things pop up. So in, in the end, we had to we had to um, had to uh, abandon that. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. It it was a difficult decision as well because a lot of the feedback we'd had from the channel uh, from the community um, was that like it was a very a unique thing that we allowed the community to also contribute to the story, which is something we've always liked to do, but we have had to rein it in as of late um, because unfortunately sometimes it does impact the the, the story at the table a little too much. Um, but, you know, we're still trying to find that happy medium. Um, so that's the Mondays. The Wednesday, uh, we, this one... Yeah, this one's a fairly easy one to answer. Um, recently, the Wildmount group had an encounter with Asmodeus, the Lord of the Hells, and they tried to give the devil therapy, which is quite a flex. And at the end of it, they basically asked him to leave them alone. I gave them a persuasion check with a DC of 30, and they got a 30. <laughs> so, so not only did they give the devil therapy, um, they they got him to leave them alone. Like they they talked him down, which, you know, I mean that'll have implications, I'm sure, down the line, but I just yeah, that was like a moment where you just think, is this really happening? Is uh, is this is are you really doing this? Is this really happening? <laughs> Always happens on the things you least expected to happen on. Absolutely, yeah. And um, it's one of those moments that gets made as well. It is, 100%. Um, so for the Friday campaign, now I am a player in that. Um, but I do, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Because um, while I am the player of the campaign, the introduction to the first session our fantastic um, dungeon mistress, Brie, for Stradalicious, um, brings so much to the table. But a decision was made very early on that we were going to try and incorporate a Dimension 20 style of player introductions. So in the first session, it would involve like a flashback for each character. And then once everyone's done, that's when they'd all meet. And we started with my character being controlled by Strad <laughs> to murder innocent people, um, basically. And I had no insight into what was going to happen. I just had to go with it. Um, but it was so deliciously evil and so eloquently uh, presented that me, the whole table, everyone in the chat was just absolutely sidelined by it um and as horrifying as it was it was absolutely epic so it is an epic moment <laughs> that's awesome i love i love the uh i love giving little bits of character background and stuff like especially if you do like a like a one-on-one -on -one, one thing i like doing is a one-on-one -on -one session where you go through like key moments of the of a character's backstory and sort of present that it, it gives you that extra level of attachment to the character and it sounds like it's the exact same 
similar sort of thing except for obviously everybody was at the table at the same time but you get that extra connections with your characters and the audience get got to obviously got to experience that at the same at the same time which is just oh, it's and, and, a shame when someone dies <laughs> i can't wait uh, <laughs> but like it's also just such a flex to have the first scene of your campaign introduce the bbeg yeah. and show off what they can do and what they're about and like that's how you set the scene for a horror campaign because that's what it is at the end of the day yeah and yeah like uh, i was just i was uh mind blown from the very first moment and yeah <laughs> i've seen i've seen very many different ways that strada has been introduced it at the beginning of campaigns seeing strad at full power right at the beginning it's just fan it's just a fantastic idea i think mm -hmm. it's just amazing like you say it sets the precedent for the entire campaign you know that if strad appears something's going to go wrong <laughs> yep <laughs> would you like to roll the dice please absolutely roll, roll that dice. dice uh that's a seven have we had a seven we have indeed yes Okay, roll the dice. That's a 16. I think we've had 16 as well. Ah, roll the dice. We're just rolling the dice, everyone. Natural 20. We have not had a natural 20. Well, Ooh, okay, so I'm going to do the same thing that I did with the natural one. I'm going to give this to you as a player, but then I'm also going to give it to you as a DM as well. Which okay. character was the hardest to say goodbye to? Oh, this this is easy because this was recent. Um, I uh, briefly touched up on it earlier. Um, I was lucky enough to be invited to take part in Phoenix Iwaki's The Dark of Xerixis campaign, which was a uh, darkest timeline spin on The Light of Xerixis. And we... It was planned for maybe like 10 sessions, I think. And we TPK'd after four or five. And it was... Like, I, I'll try I'll try and cover it in the detail that it requires um, in as uh, short a time as possible. But um, the group had only just really begun the journey. We were taking a side quest. It was pretty much had very little to do with the main story. It was just, you know, here's a thing to do until we get to that next point. Um, We'd had so much character development between the players. Uh, my character had been just been introduced to one of the other players who came in literally the session before. Um, oh, no, two sessions before. Um, turns out they were the undead ghost of my character's wife. Um, so there was like all this like trauma that was being presented and like... Uh, my character had this dilemma. Do I help her regain her memories? Is that going to harm her or is it going to help her? And all this sort of stuff. And, you know, we we had all these plans for how this was going to play out potentially. Um, and then the following session, she was insta-killed from a crit from uh, a monster mm -hmm. uh, right in front of my character, which was terrifying. That's not even it. We haven't got to the TPK yet. <laughs> so... 
The session after that happened, and we were all reeling from that, we went to do this little side quest as a way to, you know, bolster our resolve. Um, and the dice rolls were terrible. Our tactics were not the best. And we all ended up dead. Was the TPK in a fight or was it just navigating a dungeon? No, it was a fight. It was a, a fight with, I can't remember specifically what the creatures were. I think they were some kind of uh, vampires. We were calling them vampire pirates oh. um, in space. Um, you, can't have too, you, you, know, you can never have too many things in space. Um, but they had this ability that if they reduce you to hit points, you didn't just die, you became a being of shadow. Um, and it happened to every single one of us because like we were rolling badly the the cleric went down um the the barbarian was was like stuck in the middle of the fray we were trying to to get to them but we couldn't because we had to fend off all these other things and it was it was tragic it was beautiful um and we could have probably continued the campaign with new characters but it just didn't feel right it was too emotional so uh, yeah, hardest character to say goodbye to, Dante. The one and only time I've played a bard. <laughs> I mean, there's something to say that, you know, a bit further down the line, Phoenix may revisit the setting at least. And there I may think be he's, got, he's, got very, he's got very specific plans, but we did also tie that into our Stradalicious campaign <laughs> as... Some of the wreckage of our ship made an appearance in one of the introductory um, flashbacks. That's really cool. I like that. I love the lo love the crossover idea. That's brilliant. Yeah, Fantastic. I mean, I've always I've always sort of said that like I I envision in our the Quest Junkies uh, shared universe or whatever you want to call it, our version of Faerun is Phoenix Iwaki's version of Faerun because you know the, almost all of his sessions are set in Faerun. So, and because we've always worked together so closely, we've always said, well, we'll just connect our universes. So, makes sense. And having that collaboration and world building as well, especially on something that's already established, is is really good. Our roll together, we, we've got, we do our own version of Faerun where, you know, there's a big hole in one of the mountains at the minute. And, you know, there's something called the bloat that's infected Neverwinter. And, there are, there's a bee race called the Abale who've come through um, a crack from, I think it was from uh, the abyss, from the abyss. They've come through from the abyss and they've now settled in the caverns beneath Netherwinter and all that sort of stuff. And it's interesting seeing all the different DMs that we have connecting each of the stories together. So one of my favourite things about doing this on stream is connecting worlds with other people and just seeing the stories that people can create absolutely as i said though i am going to flip the question on its head uh which character was the hardest to say goodbye to and we'll do the same as before each of the three campaigns probably not so much strata just because of how fresh it is but if there is one that has left that npc okay. is you can count npcs if you want to as well so uh when we've we're only two sessions into Stradalicious, so at the moment, no one has left or been taken from us yet. Touch wood. Um, 
So Wild Mount, I don't think we've really had a specific goodbye as of yet. Um, so unfortunately, I probably have to say the same again, but I can rectify it. Um, Monday campaign, the Rodania Chronicles, we had a very recent emotional goodbye as one of the players has to take some time away as they've just moved countries. They've moved from Northern Ireland to Canada. Oh, uh, wow. Basically starting a new life there. Um, so they've had to take some time away um, with the intent on returning at some point. Um, so, you know, we, we had them have a character arc over the preceding sort of five or six weeks. Um, and then right at the very end of it, as they were, you know, we were finishing up that last session we had before they got on the flight to go out to Canada. I think it took us by surprise because we were saying farewell to the character. The character had been written off in the show as, you know, being pulled away elsewhere um, out of reach and we kind of all realized in that moment that we're actually saying, potentially saying goodbye to our friend because, you know, at that point, we didn't know for sure if he would be able to come back uh, mm. to stream with us. And it got very emotional for everybody and very difficult because it felt like, it felt like we were mourning a character and and a friend. Yeah. Um, fortunately they they will be coming back and they've they made a quick little cameo appearance a few weeks later and we had our one year anniversary uh of the campaign and they were free so we we brought them back for that one session and then had to you know kick him away again but um yeah i don't think any of us were prepared for that um but to rectify not having ones for the other ones we had our, I mentioned earlier on, we did a mini-series, uh, one called The Demethrin Five, which was, you know, my attempt at creating a Calamity-style, high-level, uh, end-of-the-world drama, um, where at the very end of it, they hadn't, the group hadn't uh, collected everything they needed to prevent the disaster. So they had to make a choice. Uh, the choice ended up being that two of the players sacrificed themselves to complete this ritual to stop the, the terrifying bad thing from happening. Um, and it was about an hour of an epilogue of just everyone saying goodbye and grieving. And I don't think there was a dry set of eyes at the table or in chat. It was quite possibly one of the most beautiful moments we've had on Quest Junkies and something that is very dear to me as a DM and just as a as a friend to everyone at the table. Um, there's going to be very few things, I think, that could top that. Love that. That's. I, I'm not even going to say anything to that. I think we're just going to roll another dice. Uh, that was you last time, wasn't it? Yes, because I, I don't roll natural 20, so I'm going to roll. <laughs> He says, rolling not a natural 20. Uh, da, 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 da. So we sort of touched upon this a little bit throughout the different questions that we've asked. So what do you like in a DM? What do I like in a DM? Um, I think if I was to narrow it down to like a handful of things, uh, the things that I think are most important in being a DM is patience for one thing because mm -hmm. you know you can have players that have been playing for years and years or you can have first-time players 
Um, you need enthusiasm because being part of a communal story, um, it's important that the enthusiasm is shared across the table because if it's not, then that's going to affect everybody. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just an enthusiasm for the story you want to tell, but it's enthusiasm for everyone's contributions because um, that's what makes or breaks a group. And uh, probably the most important thing is trust. Because uh, certainly with a lot of campaigns like what we've done, where there's a heavy focus on role play, you have to be able to trust everyone at your table to sometimes open up emotionally, which is essential for many forms of role play. Um, I, again, I've been very, very lucky to share the table every time I've played on stream with some truly incredible people. Every single one of them I trust implicitly. Um, and I like to think that trust is reciprocated. Um, and I feel like it is because we've, we've had some really fantastic, passionate moments. Um, and yeah, I'm probably going to go on a tangent if I continue about that, but yes, patience, enthusiasm, and trust, uh, the things not only that I like, but I think are most crucial. I, I mean, I've got nothing that I can think of to add to that uh, other than probably a DM if you're playing like face to face a DM that brings snacks oh absolutely and players uh, that bring snacks of course but snacks are essential and you've got to have different snacks prepared for different situations as well what is your snack of choice so it changes from time to time um, recently it's been Haribo which is not something I would frequent, but it's just handy just to have a bag just to side, just to be like, like maybe not the fizzy ones, because you know you don't want to be in a in an intense moment of of, of emotional role play, and then all of a sudden, it, oh, that's that's <laughs> sour, <laughs> sour one. It's really so. It's very I mean, yeah, it, it could help for for those kind of moments, maybe. <laughs> oh, a uh, snack of choice. I, I I I avoid the noisy ones, so crisps, chips, depending yeah. on where you're from. Um, but yeah, Haribo, I, chocolate, I don't, I tend to stay away from because I melts, melts, yeah. So yeah, like a soft, soft sweet, something that's not too chewy. If you need to, you can swallow pretty quickly <laughs> to mm -hmm. get into the moment and try and sneak it in. I don't, I don't tend to eat when it comes to streaming. I drink a lot. Yes. Not not alcohol, but I do drink a lot of fluid when streaming. Mm. I'll normally have like a coffee and two glasses, one of water, one of fizzy, like next to me, and I'll go through them throughout a three hour window. But but uh, but snack wise, if yeah, it would be probably Harry Bow or something along along that line, something nice and easy. Yes, I think. We've got time for one more question, which I shall let you roll. I will let you roll the final okay. question. Let's have a look. Let's roll that. Roll that dice. That's a two. We've had that before. Let's go Thanks, again. We have, yes. That's a two again. Let's roll that again. Uh, that's a three. Oh, good. So I was actually reading that one as you said it. Uh, now... We know what character class you are, mm. as we've asked that question already. 
Is it the same as your favorite character class? So the question is, what is your favorite class? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, favorite class is wizard. 100% ride or die wizard. And people usually react to that like, what? Really? Like, how do you, it's like, isn't it a nightmare keeping track of all the spells and stuff and all the things that you've got to do? It's like, uh, so fun insight into my mind, the concept of playing a martial character terrifies me. Uh, the only time I have had real fun playing a martial character was a monk. Um, I had, I've played a monk a couple of times. It's great fun. Um, I've never had a good experience playing, I mean, Lady Triplex that we mentioned earlier, that was not canon, so that didn't count. And that was an intensely broken character for one specific purpose. Um, but legitimate builds, um, I've never really enjoyed Rogue, I've never really enjoyed Fighter. I've not tried Barbarian because I'm pretty sure I wouldn't enjoy it. Um, but I just, I love the spellcasting mechanics in D&D particularly. Um, and I look like, cause the, I play a wizard in the Stradalicious campaign. I play a wizard in Phoenix Wacky's Descent's Tyranny campaign. Um, usually about four or five hours apart as well. Cause they're on, they fall on the same day, <laughs> which is great. And you know, I need to try and not get them mixed up, but um, I, I do enjoy just the idea of playing a character that's obsessed with gaining knowledge and um, finding power through knowledge. Like the 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 character play on Chisenta's Tyranny, um, she is a wizard with uh, a fantastic mind and constantly on the look to um, expand her arcane skill set, so to speak, uh, in, in a setting where it's um, outlawed and at times punishable by death, which, you know, I mean, that's that's a little in insight to my character building approach, I guess. Uh, when the first thing I heard about the setting was uh, magic is essentially illegal, I said, I'm going to play a wizard. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, um, but yeah, like, People often say, like, don't you find it difficult? It's like, I really don't. It just makes sense to me. Like, I find it, I'm really comfortable playing a wizard. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> Is there a subtype or school in terms of wizard? Is there a school of choice or is there, or is it just any? Uh, so I'd say the best subclass for wizard is order of scribes mm. and the reason i say that is because the only critique i've ever had about wizards is the mechanics around learning new spells are outside of a level up because there is you know you have to gain the ink and the parchment you have to pay for all these things you have to take time out of your day uh to spend you know learning it and copying it into your book and it's usually very expensive um, and plus spell books are usually quite difficult to find depending on, I mean, depending on your DM and depending on the setting, but yeah. especially in a setting where magic is outlawed, you're not going to come across a spell book every day. Um, but order of scribes negates most of that because they let you do it for free. And the time to learn spells is changed from hours to minutes. So if you have a spell book, you can learn it in an hour, like the whole thing. And it doesn't cost you anything because you use a spectral quill, which is also a fun thing because you have a spectral quill and a sentient spell book. And 
for our Friday campaign over in Phoenix, Iraqi. We went full work and we made it sentient. We gave him a name. His name is uh, Inquisite Squire, Inquisite Scribes with Quillington the Fourth, uh, or Inky for short. Um, and he is a full-blown NPC that John plays, and he is the best. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Liz, Liz, who plays uh, in some of our shows, they they play a bugbear called Huxley, who is an Order of Scribes uh, wizard, and their um, will is the paperclip stamp thing that you used to see on Microsoft Word. Uh, yeah. It's called Stampy. It's just amazing, it's just hilarious. It's brilliant. We, we had a, we we had a cameo from uh, from I believe they were called Clippy in Windows, uh, but we we had a cameo from them in a session once. It was um, we did a I think it was a honey heist, and one of the one of the bears was attempting to use its hacking ability, and it rolled low. So a little holographic paperclip showed up and said, "Do you need some assistance?" <laughs> That's brilliant. I'm I'm quite I don't play wizards that often. I'm partial to the Blade Singer. That says more mm. about me than the, I'm more of a martial player. I used to, I was petrified of the spell I was the opposite of you. I was petrified of the spell system until I was forced in a good way to play a cleric. Mm. That's another story. But um so yeah, a blade singer is the best one that the have you ever tried the uh, Order of Scribes wizard with a few dips into Tempest Domain Cleric for the uh have you have you heard that bit heard of that build? Uh not specifically, but my Order of Scribes wizard does have a level in Grave Cleric. So I do have the Cleric Wizard multiclass in progress, but I'm going down a little bit of a different route with it. Yeah. So the the Tempest Tempest Cleric Order of Scribes wizard the Tempest Cleric has uh, it's one of its channel divinities is you can maximize the damage on a uh, lightning or thunder-based spell. Take Fireball, cast it at a higher level where you have, say, Chain Lightning. Oh, I see. I see where you're going. Yeah. I see where you're going. You just uh, maximize the damage. <laughs> <laughs> it's dirty. Mm. If, if you go less, if you obviously go more Wizard, less Cleric, you can only do it once, but that one here is just filthy but it's, yeah mm -hmm. it's fun <laughs> i mean that's because so my thinking of going down grave cleric is to use path to the grave um which obviously you know the next time uh an attack is successful in a creature it does double damage so you know if you time that right and someone crits and it's already double damage and then you're doubling it again it's quad damage um so imagine doing that with like, like you say, just a, just a small little fireball. <laughs> One person fails their save. You know that the player has rolled pretty high damage. You can just go <laughs> double. Yep, pretty much. Oh, that's awesome. I love the sound of that. Right. Well, I think. I mean, we pretty much nearly went through every single question anyway. So, but we've definitely come to the end of our time. So, I'd like to thank everybody once again for joining us for talk together uh, you can find us here every friday at 6 p.m bst for either talk together or talking is a free action talking is a free action is where we take some of our players some of the characters from our stories that we tell and we put them through a crystal maze style dungeon and get to learn a little bit more about them and make friends with all sorts of different types of creatures and sell goats apparently <laughs> 
And you can also find us uh, playing D&D on Mondays and Tuesdays, again at 6pm BST. All of these are streamed at twitch.tv forward slash RollTogether RPG. VODs are available immediately after the stream to catch up, or you can find all of our content on YouTube or podcast a few days later by searching RollTogether RPG. Uh, again, many thanks to our D20 Club on Patreon. We always do the love hearts for our Patreon members. I do the I for some reason. I don't know why. And you can join them for as little as one of your local currency or one goat. Uh, links will be in the chat over there. I always do that wrong. And again, a massive thank you to all of our sponsors and supporters. Finally, Patch. Again, would you like to tell everybody where we can find you, what times, what places, what social medias you're on, and and is there any any little sneaky sneaky tidbits you can give us? Anything coming up that you might want to say? Interesting proposal. Okay, so yes, I'm Patch, uh, the ever humble dungeon master from Quest Junkies. You can find uh, us on all our social medias, either at Quest Junkies or Quest Junkies UK. If someone's already sniped Quest Junkies, uh, which unfortunately is what happened on Twitch, um, <laughs> but yes, uh, on Twitch you can see all of our shows live um, at twitch.tv forward slash Quest Junkies UK. Um, all of our VODs are available on YouTube, uh, much like you said, a couple of days later. Um, we stream every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9pm British Standard Time, 4pm Eastern. And a little taste of something to come. Well, let me think here. We've announced a lot of projects this year, and some of them have been... Uh, you know, planning for a little while. Some of them will be put to next year. Um, but I think the most impending thing, which we haven't officially announced a date for yet, we will be returning to a one-shot that we did as part of a uh, fundraising event for the World Wildlife Fund, where we brought in some of the wonderful people from uh, Critical Fail DM, who are, if you have TikTok and you've seen a group of people playing Curse of Strahd, it's them. Um, they're super amazing. And as part of that charity event, we did unlock a sequel. So you can look forward to seeing that come into your screens very, very soon. Awesome. That sounds brilliant. Finally, the last thing that we always say on here and uh, at uh, Talking is a Free Action, Always stay classy at the table. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.